Welcome into the Dead Arm Sports Podcast. We are coming at you on January 28th. It is Friday. Have a huge weekend of football ahead of us. That is the main focus of our show today. Have some MLB and some college football news. Otherwise, got some GMs that have been hired this week and previewing some of the championship games this weekend. But first, let's check in. Got co-host Jell in the house today. How what you doing, up, Jell? Big Slim? Big Slim. Nice. <laughs> It's kind of a, what is that, an oxymoron? Oxymoron. Oxymoron, nice. <laughs> Love it. Love it. <laughs> hey, always a good time when you can fit an oxymoron into a podcast. Yes, yes. That's uh, another one of my favorites is uh, Jumbo Shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yes. <laughs> Although, Ooh. hey, hey, nothing wrong. L- little Jumbo Shrimp on the bobby. <laughs> yes. We can be found at Dead Arm Sports, Twitter, Instagram. Check us out on Facebook. Type in Dead Arm Sports into that search bar. It'll be the first thing that pops up. Subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Send us a screenshot of that review. Get you some sticker swag sent out in the mail. You can find Jell at Dasa Jell. That's at D-A-S-J-E-L. I can be found at Dasa JPEC. That's at D-A-S-J-P-E-C. Give us a follow. And as always, write in any questions, comments, concerns that you have about the show. More than happy to answer those. Before we get into the MLB Hall of Fame voting, Jell, why don't you tell everybody what uh, sloshing down your throat today? Oh, it's it's gonna be nice and sloshy. Got myself my uh, going back to the old double IPA uh, Ooh, from Galveston Island Brewery. So let's see how this goes. Yeah. Nine and a half, nine point six percent. Ooh, yeah, somebody's gonna be going to bed early <laughs> <laughs> if it's a repeat of last time. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. I am back on an old favorite. Believe you were sipping this one a little bit earlier on in the week. Had. Uh, one Breckenridge Vanilla Porter left in the fridge. There so you go. So decided to uh, hop back on that train. Choo-choo. Almost, almost. I, I've still got some more in there. Almost jumped onto it, but uh, Ooh, figured I'd. Could have had a nice Sosh again, Jill. Yeah, it's yeah. been a while. Been a hot minute. It's been a minute. It's been <laughs> yes, a hot it one. it has. <laughs> All right, so let's jump into it. I am excited for this show today. Got quite a few fun topics to discuss and curious on your take on some of the things, but... First one up yesterday, MLB Hall of Fame voting as it is every January. Always some names that are hotly debated, but this year was one that was very highly debated in particular. Big Poppy David Ortiz gets into the Hall of Fame. No question there. No issues with that. The bigger topic, I guess, that I wanted to discuss a little bit more with you is it was the last year for Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds on that Hall of Fame ballot. Neither of them got enough votes to get in. So why don't you let me know where you sit with uh, David Ortiz, thoughts there, and then obviously Bonds Clemens. I David or I, whatever about David Ortiz, I'm fine with him getting in. He did, uh, I believe, won eight DH of the Year awards. Uh, so I'm fine with him getting in. It is, you know, I know some of these BBWAA baseball writers – of America or whatever their thing is. Uh, They do, they, they, they count DHs like, like a half player because they don't play in the field, whatever. It's a freaking position. I'm glad Ortiz got in. He deserves it. But how do you not get Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens in here? That's insane to me. I Barry Bonds, just, most dominant player I've ever seen by a mile. I was still young and I still, like, I, you know, I, (laughs) he was on every at bat. It seemed like almost every at bat he was, you know, ESPN would cut off whatever they (laughs) were. It was musty TV. Middle of the game (laughs) of, of if they showed him, if they had another game on, they would just cut it off and go over to Barry Bonds at, at bats. It's insane. How do you not put this guy in? Seven-time MVP, 14-time All-Star, eight-time Gold Glove winner, 12-time Silver Slugger winner, two-time battle title, batting, uh, two-time batting champion, obviously the home run champ, over 500 steals in his career, almost 2,000 RBI, 19, or 1,996 RBI, 
a career war of 162.7. That's a full season. And the all-time walks leader in Major League Baseball history. How do you not put this guy in? Same thing with Roger Clemens. Seven-time Cy Young Award winner, 11-time All-Star, two World Series titles, seven-time ERA champion, and won an MVP as a pitcher. It's the hypocrisy between, like, by the Hall of Fame for not putting these two players in, to me, is just, it's absolutely next level. I mean, you've got well, well-known cheaters in there from that same steroid era. Jeff Bagwell, I would say he was already cut. I mean, yeah, he's got some nice numbers, but I don't put him, he's not an automatic surefire Hall of Famer. But everybody knew that he did steroids, that he was a PED user. Pudge Rodriguez, I would say he should be he should absolutely be in the Hall of Fame. But it, there's <laughs> this funny story about Pudge. Like, Pudge gets accused in Jose Canseco's first book that he wrote, came out in 2005, or two, I believe it was late 2004, early 2005, called Juiced. And he called out Pudge Rodriguez in that book for, you know, for being shot up while while Pudge was still playing for the Tigers. Next season, Pudge comes back 30 pounds lighter, not <laughs> nearly the same power hitter. Like, is that a coincidence? Obviously not. And, and you know. He's and he's in the hall with I believe I don't know this for I don't have I don't know this for a fact but I believe he was a first first ballot hall of famer. So if you're going to put in those two guys why would you not put in the two most dominant players of that era? Again, and then on top of that, David Ortiz he was mentioned in that Mitchell report and he had like as somebody that actually tested positive for steroids. So the hypocrisy is just like next level to me. And beyond that, how many cheaters in the past have played? I I mean, they're they're used to, so <laughs> they're used to literally be like bowls of amphetamines called greenies in the clubhouse. People would just take take fucking amphetamines on their way out to the field. Back in, you know, back in the 70s, back in the 80s and they weren't outlawed. And they weren't testing for them. What are we, are we supposed to go now? So now they're outlawed. Are we supposed to go back in time and and kick all those players out of the Hall of Fame as well? I just don't see there. There's clearly no. There's zero consistency whatsoever from from this vote or from this, you know, Baseball Writers Association. Yeah, or I mean, along that point, are you going to go back and check all the pitchers and watch tape to see who was? <laughs> putting the substance on Boom. the ball like I mean, no i mean to me there's got to be some sort of asterisk or something like that next to some of barry bonds stats and everything but he's still a hall of famer i mean there was nobody more dominant for what 10 plus years in baseball than barry bonds i mean even his days when he was up and coming on the Pittsburgh Pirates before he went over to San Francisco, he was stealing bases. He's thirty thirty guy, like it, dude. And he's even if even if let's say his career ends before he even goes to San Francisco, you could make an argument that he's a Hall of Famer right then and there if he would have just retired at that point. Yeah, my big thing too with eight the whole gold s- gloves. That's not steroid related. Hello. <laughs> Well, my biggest thing too with steroids is it bulks you up, makes you a lot stronger. But one of the biggest things and why he was so dominant, his hand-eye coordination I mean, and manipulating the bat was insane. He had steroids two batting aren't titles. helping with that. Steroids aren't helping with that. He had two so, batting titles. Like, yeah, it just is this thing on? What? <laughs> <laughs> like, this is insane. Come on, I, you can't, dude. You can, dude. You could bulk up and be, you know, the the biggest bodybuilder in the world with all the steroids you want. That doesn't mean that you're going to be a great baseball player. We've seen a shitty, you know, we've seen shit. Melky Cabrera, he tested positive for steroids. He's just like, he's just, you know, single doubles hitter. Like, this, 
it doesn't equate to I get yeah you yeah Bonds was you know obviously juiced up when he hit seventy when he hit the you know over seventy bombs in that seat in that one season, and some of those maybe instead of them being you know deep bombs they end up ten feet short of the fence. But either way, he's still probably, you know, even without those steroids, he's still probably hitting 55, 60 bombs. I mean, he... Asinine. Yeah. No, I, I don't have much more else to add. Do you have anything else? And the other thing, else? too, they didn't start actually testing. Like, they, I, I believe 91 was the year that they, you know, wrote down, we bans, we banned these uh, anabolic steroids. But they didn't start testing for them until 2003. Like, this doesn't fall on the player for taking this, taking these drugs. This falls completely on Major League Baseball for not testing. What's the point of saying you're banned, or or this this drug is banned, but we're not going to test for it? Why wouldn't you take steroids? I mean, we saw how much better you played. We saw how much more money these players were able to make. Why would you... It's like It's like if you're, you know, it's like... If your company banned coffee, but they ne- but they you know but they didn't test if you drank coffee going into work. But if you drank coffee, you're gonna be you know you're gonna be a higher performer, especially in the early hours of the morning. It's just like it's just the same. It's like you know a similar comp. You're gonna perform better, but you know baseball. Oh, we banned it, but we're not gonna but we're not gonna check if you're actually using it. What's What's the point of that? It's like it's like a speed limit. It's like having a speed limit, but no cops on the road to actually well, monitor the speed. One other thing that really bothers me too with the MLB, and again, I am totally against the use of steroids in sports, but MLB was in a terrible spot with that striking strike shortened season back in '94. They lost a shit ton of baseball fans that were pissed off from that. You know what brought baseball back to where it is now and brought back its popularity? The 1998 home run race between well-known steroid users Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa. Baseball can thank steroids for getting people back into the game with that home run chase that summer and got some of those fans back that were pissed off that the strike ended that 94 season. Those These writers that are still, that are in this right, Baseball Writers Association... They should be, they should be thanking their lucky stars that that home run chase happened because they wouldn't have had jobs yeah. otherwise. I mean, honestly, there wouldn't be any, there'd be no such thing as a national baseball writer, at least, you know, dating back to the early 2000s, if it weren't for this home run chase. They need to be, like, they should be grateful for these players. The other thing, too, if... You know, if, if you're going to sit there as a baseball writer sitting on your mo- on like your moral high horse and saying, well, steroids, it's wrong for the game. It does harm to your body. What about the youth? They're going to think we can just put in steroids and all the tw- you're going to have 12 year olds out there taking steroids and it's just going to hurt their whatever. Why? OK, at the same time, then do you have an issue with the National Football League injecting Tordal? into players before every game at halftime of every game on the sidelines when that's known to damage your body long term i mean if we bet should we ban that too anybody that was shot up with tordal anybody that was shot up with painkillers eliminate them from the hall of fame too it's just it the, the the hypocrisy is 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 asinine and then to put in ortiz in the fur in his first year of eligibility <laughs> When he's he's named on that Mitchell report as somebody that tested positive, it's just this. So you're gonna put in that guy. You're gonna put in Jeff Bagwell. You're gonna put in Pudge Rodriguez, all known and named that have taken steroids. Among and there's other players that have too. Shit, Ted Williams. Why don't we kick Ted Williams out? Cause he was a he was known as a domestic abuser of women. Like, I, I like. I don't know. There's just it, the the hypocrisy is, is just they don't. Is it just because Clemens and Bonds are the two most like the two faces of the steroid era? I think so. And wouldn't and and 
wouldn't you want them in the hall anyways? I'm fine with them putting a physical asterisk on their plaque and say, <laughs> this guy probably took steroids. Over their face. <laughs> like, somewhere. It's just like, their face is an asterisk with a baseball hat on top it's, of it's, do, do it. Like the, do it like MLB The Show did when, when Barry Bonds wasn't in there. In, in uh, MLB oh, that's The Show. Right. And they had a... <laughs> like joe dodd or whatever joe the guy. dodd yeah i think yeah. that's what it was john, yeah. john john whatever or whatever but like <clears throat> i forgot like, about that seriously put put in barry bonds and below you know he's got his face and then right below it with an asterisk asterisk and say you could literally say like he was played during the steroid era and had ties to performance enhancing drugs this is a museum though this is what that's what the hall of fame is kind of supposed to be it's a museum i don't know yeah it's supposed to be no. <laughs> supposed right. to be but but it, i don't know these baseball writers apparently seem that they're feel like they're better than them and it's it's i don't know dude i wonder barry bonds if he stiffs a guy in interview roger clemens stiffs a guy in interview and he's like oh this guy's a jerk and a cheater i'm out well he's not on my ballot i don't know i'm I'm fucking hot. Let's get going. <laughs> yeah, well, let's jump into another uh, interesting tidbit that came up today. Again, we're recording on Wednesday, the 26th, and came out today that the Big Ten for football is looking at, well, that's the only sport that they have divisions in, but looking to eliminate divisions. So the top two teams after the regular season's played qualify for the conference tournament. Thoughts there, Jell? Any more insight with that? I know you had touched on they're going to drop a conference game and add a non-conference game. Is that correct? Yeah, so they said that instead of playing the standard nine games, that's been the standard for a while, they would drop it down to eight games of conference play. So what that would do, that would allow then all these Big Ten teams to have additional games against the ACC, the Pac-12, and the Big 12. We all know that like this is this is they're all kind of collaborating to count not, the SEC, you know, you know <laughs> against the SEC basically, because yeah. that you know SEC is trying to make their own super conference and and they can do that. The SEC can do whatever they want, but that doesn't mean that these other conferences want to partner up with the SEC anymore. It's kind of a you know screw those guys mentality, which I'm fine with. I I would do the same thing if I were these other conferences. So yeah, they're they're looking to drop that. They're looking to drop uh one conference game, four one additional non-conference game, and a you know, thankfully they're not saying hey we can go and play, you know, an, another Central Michigan type of a game. Instead, it's going to be somebody against you know it's gonna that game would be against somebody in one of these other big three conferences. So, uh, so I do I am absolutely in support of that move. Uh, the other thing about eliminating the East and West divisions, I think I'm in favor of it. That'll help. You know, there, there'll just be, I think there'll be more competitive games and, you know, maybe we're probably, honestly, we're probably going to see Ohio State, Michigan, you know, there's going to be a likelihood that we see that twice a year now in the big, you know, between their annual game and then the Big Ten championship game. But I'm fine with that. I don't have any issues with that. I think Michigan and Ohio State were the two best teams in the Big Ten this year. Did Iowa... <laughs> I mean, did Iowa really deserve... Did did Iowa... Would, like, would you really say that they were the second best team in the Big Ten? I don't think so. So, I'm good with them opening this up and just having the top two teams in, in the, uh, you know, final... Best two records in the Big Ten, rep being the representatives of the Big Ten championship game. Yeah, I think the only reason they're doing this, I talked to you just briefly, but wanted to save some of my thoughts here for our actual recording. We talked a little bit beforehand, but I think it's mostly the top teams in the West are just butthurt that they don't have a chance to go into the championship game due to Ohio State's historically been the team that has represented. Penn State's gone in a year or two, Michigan this last year. But the Big Ten or Big Ten West yeah, Big Ten West has just been Big Ten East is butthurt. Sorry, my <laughs> beer's kicking in. But I was gonna say I'm, Big I'm Ten, like I was really confused for <laughs> yeah, a second no. there. I was like, wait a Big minute, Ten, they, see they're the ones that are winning here. Big Ten East is butthurt due to the fact that the Big Ten West 
let's face it, you and I are both big Badger fans, but they've been very mediocre outside of a couple okay Wisconsin teams the last couple years that got crushed in the championship game. What I think they need to do, there's too many teams in the Big Ten to have it just all just be one division and not have separate divisions. What I would like to see them do instead of just going with the East-West Let's mix it up. Have two divisions, but mix it up right now. You have a perfect opportunity to see schools, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State's been good, Wisconsin, Iowa. Split those teams up. Still give them their games against their rivals. So like, for example, with Wisconsin, put Minnesota in that other division. They're still going to be one of the crossover games to play for the Axe. Indiana, Purdue can be crossover games. And then... What I like about that, you have the potential for some of those teams that are rivals to match up and make that conference championship game more interesting. The problem I have right now, the Big Ten, there's so many rivalry games with so many different trophies. You can't take those games away and not play them every year that it, I don't know. I just, I like having the divisions. It's There's too many teams. It's just, I don't know. That's what they tried though. When they first brought in the two divisions, the legends and leaders versus the leaders, and you saw how quickly that got nixed. It was impossible to keep track of who's who was in your division. I mean, if you're if you're gonna do it, if you're gonna do divisions, do it regionally. If you're not, then that's fine, and just don't have it. But I just don't see. Big Ten already tried it with exactly your idea and it got swatted down after what did they how many years did they go three years two three years with that and until they switched to west versus east and like obviously the west is weak in comparison to the east just like in the sec the east is weak in comparison to the yeah. west but you don't it's weird because you don't see them bitching about it because you've got alabama lsu there's so many teams in that I west that's stacked that what they would be the first ones that would be like yeah we need to just have this as one thing because we're getting screwed and being the second best team and some shit team outside of georgia's been good the last few years but otherwise it's like just throwing somebody into the fire against Alabama, LSU, whoever they have to play. And thank- thankfully, they've got Georgia there to yeah. at least compete with Alabama. Otherwise, they'd be screwed. But I, so I, I, I don't think that going back to a legends versus leaders. I mean, a how freaking corny is that? And b, yeah, like, but what you know? What's the perfect way to do that? Because let's say, you know, do do you end up? switching the divisions every five years because you know illinois goes on a four-year run and you know illinois gets hot for four years michigan state sucks for four years do you end up switching divisions for them for you know to bat to try to balance out the conferences again i don't or the divisions again i don't know one thing i hate too though with just having it as one big division you don't get to play every team. You don't have no, a that, chance that, maybe that against is, the second that team. True. Where that's the thing I like with divisions is that you play every team. So you don't have anything to bitch about if you don't get first. You played the first place team, you lost, or you lost to somebody else in your division, and that's why. If you have Michigan, Ohio State this last year, well, let's say, for example, Wisconsin. I know their schedule obviously well. They played Michigan, lost at home, but... Ohio State, they didn't even play this last year. So is that really fair to have a team that makes it to the championship game when you potentially could be the better team, but you didn't have a chance to prove it against that team and they get in over you? That's the only thing I I don't like. What I would like, let's say, you know, the Big 12 continues to just break up. We grab, you know, uh, Big 10 grabs Cincinnati and, you know, maybe Notre Dame comes around. Then it's the Big 16 and then you could have four, pods, could have four yeah. divisions. The pods something, like SEC's talking about doing. So if you could have something like that, that would be ideal. But for 14 teams, which is where the Big Ten is at now, ironically enough, uh, there's not, I don't know, that, there's not really like an ideal way to split these teams up. But if there was, if we were to grab, if the Big Ten was to grab two more teams or get rid of Rutgers and Maryland, who we brought in for really no freaking reason outside of trying to get the New York market and the, the DMV market. Like what's the, you know, then at least then you could have four divisions of three teams, but 14 is such an awkward number. 
I just, I think right now the way that it's split up, East and West is the easiest way to do it because you could end up switching up divisions too often if there's not enough parity yeah. one way or another. That makes sense. If you if you want to stick to the division thing. Yeah, which I, I personally do, unless you can play every team in your conference once. <laughs> and then we'd, be, then we'd have the to be looking at like a 17, we, you know, we'd be looking at a football, NFL football schedule if you... Fine with me, but they're not going to prove that. Fine with me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's dive into some of the NFL news that's come up this week. Forgot to touch on it a little bit earlier on in the week, just kind of minor at this point in time. It's only been GMs that have been hired. Uh, Joe Shane, the assistant GM the last five years under Brandon Bean in Buffalo, got hired as the GM for the New York Giants. Only thing significant for me with this one, obviously the Bills have done great drafting lately. One of the best teams in football got eliminated this last weekend. Makes it very interesting that does Joe Shane try and bring over Brian Dable from Buffalo? It's been rumored that that might be one of the favorites. So it'll be interesting to see who he pegs as the next head coach of the Giants. But I was fine with this hiring. Again, Bills are one of the better front offices lately. So I, I was good with it. Yeah, it was a, it was a great hire. Um, I, and and I, I think that this immediately puts... And there, like you said, there's already been rumors that he's one of the two finalists that, uh, sorry, that uh, Brian Dable is one of the two finalists to get that Giants head coaching job. So that pairing makes 100% sense. I don't see why they, <laughs> I don't see why they wouldn't do that. So, um, or why, why obviously, obviously Joe Shane is going to be trying to bring Dable over. If you're Dable, it might be, I mean, it, it might be a fine opportunity. I think that he's a better fit elsewhere. I mean, I I just I just love him in Chicago. I've made that known before, but you can follow your you can follow somebody that you trust in that player personnel room. And if you if you're Dable and you have confidence in Joe Shane, why would you not take that job? Especially knowing that you're in New York, that market. Joe Shane did already back Danny Dimes as the starter at least for this upcoming year. I don't necessarily love that, but they're all, they don't also don't really have a you know this. A, there's not really an easy out to that question because is the is the incoming GM gonna say no? Our quarterback room is trash. We're gonna do everything that we can to move off of Danny Dimes. Obviously, he's not gonna say that. So, you know, this is this is part of the, you know, it, he's just doing an acceptance speech for taking the job. You <laughs> right. shouldn't be out there making headlines already. No, and you can't tip your hand this early in the off season what <laughs> no. you want to do so. Uh, next GM that got uh, hired, Ryan Poles, uh, Chiefs Executive Director of Player Personnel, is now the GM for the Bears. Fun fact, he was an undrafted free agent that signed with the Bears in 2008. So it was really funny. Uh, there are pictures side by side of him in a Bears uniform, number 70, just kind of that he looks no so smile, sad just the, he smirk. He looks so sad, so in, sad. The, uh, in the Bears, in the, the, uh, the 2008 picture. Yeah, so then they took a picture of him yesterday, decked out in Bears colors, had on his uh, blue sport coat, orange tie with a big smile on his face. But <laughs> I, I really love this Making a hell of hire. a lot more money now than he oh, was yes, as an undrafted, as an undrafted free, agent. free agent. I'd have that same smile too. <laughs> yes, he was with the Chiefs for 13 years, has been a huge part of their player development, scouting. So I absolutely love this hire. I was ecstatic about it yesterday when the Bears signed him. Obviously, resident Bears fan on this podcast, so I'm very excited. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with the coaching position. Coach or Bears had interviewed quite a few coaches prior to the GM being hired. Yesterday, Ryan Poles was hired and Jim Caldwell was in for interviews. Uh, Eberflus came in this afternoon to interview, and then Dan Quinn that was, was his, there this so morning all, too. All, all three, three of those second, second right? interviews. So mm -hmm. yeah, curious. I haven't heard any other information at all. If there is any other coaches, and honestly, right now I would expect with the Giants, Bears, it sounds like they're pretty much close to wrapping up the interview process. This pod's coming out on Friday again, just with our L and I schedule. We're recording on Wednesday night. There's a good chance that the coach has already been hired by the time you're hearing this podcast, but just the information that we have at this point. Yeah, I think that I think that if if you're gonna pick out of those three guys, again, I I, I said Day Bowl is my ideal pick. I think Josh agreed with that on an earlier 
on an earlier show. Yep. Uh, but out of these three guys, you've got Jim Caldwell as an offensive, you know, former offensive coordinator, offensive minded coach. And then the other two, uh, Ebra is as a DC DC for the, for Colts, the Colts and Quinn is the DC for the Cowboys, Cowboys. former Atlanta head coach. I just, I really, if I'm a Bears fan, I do not want the Bears to fall into the trap of just continuing to hire defensive coaches. You need to get an offensive mind in there to develop Justin Fields. I mean, look at look at the, your four coaches that are left here in the playoffs. Zach Taylor, offensive mind, QB coach, former quarterback himself. Andy Reid, obviously offensive coach. Uh, Shanahan offense, Shanahan coach. offensive mind, and same McVay. thing with McVay. So you have to, you have to. The main focus of your franchise has to be develop the offense, and and with uh and with Ryan Poles coming from Kansas City, I hope that he's going to understand that. I would assume that he understands that, and you know what's kind of funny, he obviously would have worked with Matt Nagy in the past in Kansas City. Uh, obviously, Nagy's not coming yes. back. But, uh, but no, I, 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 I think Jim Caldwell, if, if it's just between those three guys at this point, the only hire that makes sense is Jim Caldwell. And he did, he did make a nice splash with the Lions. He got the Lions to nine wins in the playoffs. Two playoff appearances. To, twice! And he was a, a pretty, huge, huge part of... Peyton Manning in <laughs> at, in Indianapolis Indy. Yeah. when he was there. So yeah, I, think I don't know. That, that, that's the that's hire probably... that makes the most sense. No question. It's just that he's been out of the game for a couple of years now. So hopefully, yeah, I believe he got fired from the Lions after the 2016-17 season. He had one stint with he he, uh, the he went Dolphins to Miami as a QB coach for 2019 and in then 19. He was but out. so he's been out of the league for a couple of years now. Hopefully yep. he can come back in. I'm saying this hopefully as a, if you're a Bears fan. Hopefully he can come back in with maybe like a refreshment of ideas or whatever. But I, you can't. You just I just don't think you can go defense. Just I understand why Dan Quinn would be an attractive coach because. He did have, you know, he did bring the Falcons to the playoffs, and they've been an absolute mess ever since, or to the Super Bowl. They've been an absolute mess since he left. But also, he had Kyle Shanahan as his offensive coordinator. So, unless Dan Quinn is going to bring over a an absolute money offensive coordinator, let's say he bring. What about this? If he if if you got Dan Quinn and he's able to steal Kellen Moore away from the Cowboys, then, I mean, yeah, would you be down be, with that then? That is yeah. like you know, doubling down on that coaching hire. I think that's that's got to be the ideal. As long situation as you take the, go Dan Quinn, <laughs> as long as you take the QB draw to Kellen Moore's playbook with 14 seconds, at left. least with 14 <laughs> seconds left. Yeah, keep that in the playbook in the middle of the game with yes. Justin Fields. But <laughs> yeah, don't be calling that with 14 seconds left. No. Last yeah. uh, last GM hire, Vikings hired their GM today, Quezzi Adafo Mensa. He was the Cleveland Browns vice president of football operations. So he was somebody that was also a finalist for the Bears position. Fun fact, Ryan Poles was supposed to interview for the Vikings GM position yesterday on Tuesday, and the Bears did not let him leave Chicago and hired him. So the next up was Quezzi and Cleveland, they've had some solid drafts, and their organization has turned around from where it was at the early 2000s, middle 2000s. So I don't mind this hire. Again, with a lot of these GMs being in vice president positions, player personnel, different things like that, you don't know exactly what their specific roles were because it varies from each organization to organization. My main thing is to kind of see what they get in place from here out to what coach are they hiring coordinators coming in. And the big thing too, is just kind of taking a look at what their style is with free agency approaching the draft, what they do there. So it's kind of hard to necessarily give grades out on GMs right now outside of most GMs that are hired are either former general managers or they're guys that have been tabbed as the next up-and-coming GM. So you kind of have to wait and see what their work product looks like after a little bit. 
it's it's kind of so so Kwezi, uh he he's he's only forty years old. You don't see that many youngsters. It, it's becoming a little bit more common. Uh, Ryan Poles thirty six for the so Bears. He, so and so <laughs> you have to think. I mean, I know you have to just looking at Kwezi's background. He's definitely like he he. I'm just gonna say he. I'm assuming he's got a pretty analytical kind of a mind here. Not you know, obviously doesn't doesn't have really much of a uh, a huge football background. You know, he it's not like somebody that built themselves up from a college scout up to uh you know and and you know grad assistant into a scout and then into you know he doesn't have that really traditional background. He actually uh you know he went got his degree really freaking impressive mind here got an economics degree from princeton and stanford uh from there jumped into jumped into wall street as a commodity trader and portfolio manager 2013 got a job with the niners into research and development and then in 2020 that's when he jumped into the browns organization as the vp of operations so pretty pretty dramatic rise for him to you know, just starting football in in 2013, at least, you know, in on, in the NFL ranks and make his way, you know, less than a decade later to a GM spot leading an entire franchise. But what I what I, I guess, <clears throat> you know, I he's obviously got to have some sort of an analytical mindset. And that's where a lot of these coaches are going. A lot of these owners are thinking at this point, analytics, let's go analytics focus. So I think. He's probably going to be hiring a head coach with a pretty similar mindset. I don't know exactly who the best candidate is for that, but I feel like it may take that may take Brian Flores out of the running for that job. I don't think that Brian Flores looks, you know, and that's who I thought would have been the perfect hire for Minnesota, but I don't think that he looks at the game, you know, necessarily by analytics. Not in the same way that, certainly not the same way that, you know, Brandon Staley does, same way that uh, his offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi, does. And I think this may put Joe Lombardi, given the way that the Chargers were run this year, that this may put Joe Lombardi up near the top of the head coaching ranks or, you know, candidates for, for the Vikings. Yeah, very well could. All right, Joe, you ready to dive into our championship previews? Lego. All right. <laughs> Love it. Yellow mouth cheat. <laughs> All right, first one up on the slate for Sunday is the AFC Championship game. Cincinnati traveling to Kansas City. Right now, Kansas City is a seven-point favorite in this one going to be a nice balmy 47 degrees and sunny in KC on Sunday. That's so. a pretty that's kind of a luxury. Yeah. Really for Kansas City in the middle of the winter. Yep. Um on January 2nd these two teams did match up so week 17 was, uh, yep. at Kansas City or uh, at Cincinnati, sorry, excuse me. Uh Cincinnati did win that game 34-31 had uh Pretty interesting, fun game to watch. Joe Burrow, this was during his stretch where he was just playing out of his mind, had 446 yards, four touchdowns in this one. Yeah, follow, followed up that 526-yard yeah, performance fourth. with this. Yeah, couldn't have thrown for a few more yards, get back into that 500 range. What a like, loser. What a, what a loser. <laughs> I don't know. Is well, he, is he? Would you still consider him a franchise quarterback after not getting 500 yards yeah, passing? I don't. I'd probably cut him this offseason, just <laughs> cut ties while you still can. <laughs> no, this one, to me, both teams are kind of rolling. Kansas City did have to rely on Tannehill throwing three picks last week, so it'll be interesting if they can get their offense going again. They didn't put up a ton of points against the Raiders. This one, they're going to have to put up a bunch of points. Kansas City's been rolling right now, put up a ton of points against Pittsburgh put up a ton of points last week against Buffalo to win in overtime. What do you think Cincy's chances are here, Jell? Is is this something that you like Cincinnati here? Is, do you just see this being a blowout with Kansas City just kind of running all over them? Where where do you see this game going? Well, so right now Kansas City is a 7-point is a favorite in this game, and the over-unders at 
So basically what that tells you is Vegas thinks this is going to be a 31-24 win for Kansas City. I think that final score is pretty much right on or very close to being right on. Uh, I, I personally, if I'm if I'm betting on this game at KC minus seven, I would take Kansas City. I said the same thing before the Tennessee game and, and since he ended up coming out with the win. Uh, but I think Cincinnati's already overachieved, you know, after and, and the way that Kansas City played last week against Buffalo, I think it was I think one of those two teams just felt like they were they're destined to make the Super Bowl. I mean, Mahomes clearly has figured out how to, you know, work with some of this underneath stuff. And and he's seen how it works with Tyreek Hill, with Travis Kelsey, and even with uh, with Brashad Pringle. So and and they and they even got a great game out of Clyde. So I don't see how there's really going to be a way for Cincinnati to slow this offense down defensively and I think the only way for that to happen is is you know Cincinnati is going to really need to play I wouldn't say you know not a ball control offense I mean you're not you know obviously the way that Cincinnati's built they're not going to be playing you know an Alex Smith style Mac Jones style you know just just ball control type of thing but they need to make sure they can at least get you know a first down two first downs at the very least on every drive let that def- let that Cincy defense get a little bit of rest on the field. Kind of helps slow and and again every first down, every other first down, that's going to slow down that momentum with Kansas City. So I think kind of again not not ball control necessary, not just playing that ball control game manager type of a game, but make sure you're getting a first down or two every possession because those three and outs. Those are just going to kill you, especially the way Kansas City's rolling right now. Yeah, I think if Cincinnati has a chance, like you had touched on, it's going to be eating that clock up, limiting Mahomes' touches and the Kansas City offense being out on the field. Joe Mixon's going to have to have a big day. I think that's where the key is with Cincinnati lies with Mixon. Mixon's going to have to have a big day on the ground where they can hand the ball off to him. He's getting first downs, and they're just – kind of moving the chains progressively down the field and maximizing the amount of points that you're putting up on the board. I thought it was kind of funny. I was diving into this a little bit deeper and an article came up today, NFL.com. Nick Shook was the writer of this article and Joe Burrow was quoted saying, it gets way louder in the SEC than any of these NFL stadiums. And he's heading uh, to Arrowhead this week. So Joe Burrow did go on to say that this one, he is comparing Arrowhead to when he was playing in the SEC at LSU and everything. But Arrowhead has historically been the loudest stadium in the not NFL. A, I don't know if he knows what he's walking did into. Did not this need to uh, try to fire up that Kansas City fan base <laughs> no. at all because that's now it's going to be loud. Yes. So yeah. I thought that was uh, that was fun. I guess Joe, where you uh, we've been doing this with all of our playoff matchups, seven point spread here, Kansas City. Throw in your final thoughts and then where you'd be placing money if you were throwing down a bet. Yeah, I, I, you know, Kansas City minus seven. That's the that's the worst line ever. If it was six and a half, <laughs> I'd take KC. If it was seven and a half, I'd take Cincinnati. At minus seven, I'm gonna take Kansas City. I just think that the way that they played last week is was unreal. And then on the over under fifty four and a half, I did you say fifty four or forty five? Fifty four and a half. Fifty four. Okay. So quite a few points. However, the Cincinnati defense has not been all that impressive and their offense has been. I, I'm, I'm scared to do it, but I think given the weather and how it's going to be pretty, you know, like you said, mid forties and clear, I think we could see a little bit of a shootout here. So I think I'm going to take the over on 54 and a half. And I think I'm going to take the Bengal or uh, the, uh, Kansas City at minus seven to win by more than seven. I'm going to be boring here and say the exact same thing. I'm going to roll with you on that. Kansas City has just been on too much of a roll right now with their offense against, like I touched on, Pittsburgh last week against the Bills. Bills defense is a heck of a lot better than Cincinnati's, and Kansas City put up mad points last week in that shootout. So 
I love Kansas City this week. I am pulling for Cincinnati. You want to see the underdog win. Cincinnati get to that Super Bowl. Let their magic run continue right now. Cinderella story. But I just think Kansas City's offense is too powerful. And Cincinnati is going to be having to play turnover free. Eat up so much of that clock. Which I, I just don't see happening. I think Kansas City walks away with this one and then with Kansas City's offense being on a roll I like the over 54 and a half points too so I'm gonna ride with you on that one just a quick little like I guess little question for you so McPherson the Cincinnati kicker this postseason is eight for eight over these last two games clearly money game-winning kick last week are, would you, if you are the Cincy coach, are you going to play this game the way that the Chargers played it when they played uh, in that overtime game? Or are you going to play it more like when we have an opportunity to get points, we're going to get points instead of going for it on every fourth and four on every fourth and two? I think being on the road in this one you got to take the points when you can, at least early on. Once second half hits, you can reevaluate and then maybe start making more, taking more chances, going for it on fourth down. But being a road team, you know you're going to struggle against Kansas City and it's going to be tough to beat them. I think you have to take all the points that you can. Yeah, I'm 100% there with you. I think you got to take the points. I mean, you're in the playoffs. You know it's going to be a pretty it, – it'll be a tight game regardless – in the playoffs, you got to take the points, especially, like you said, especially on the road. All right, moving into the NFC West game of the week. I mean, the NFC Championship game. We've got there San you go. Francisco. Same thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I was trying to be funny there. San Francisco taking on Los Angeles Rams for the third time this season. Right now, the Rams are three and a half point favorite. Again, two division opponents know each other very well. San Francisco won both of their matchups this season. San Francisco won on November 15th at San Francisco 31-10. And again in Los Angeles in overtime on January 9th, 27-24 to clinch the playoff spot. They would have lost that one. We wouldn't even be talking about them right now. It would have been the Saints in the playoffs and not the 49ers. My biggest thing from Thank both God of the that we matchups. Don't have the Saints in the oh, playoffs. gosh, yeah. That Taysom, been, really? Oof. Woof. <laughs> My biggest thing with this one is Jimmy G in the first game threw for around 250, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Second game, he really struggled with interceptions. Stafford in the games this year against San Francisco, not ideal. He has struggled through for 243 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions that first game. And then through another two interceptions the second game against them. So he's got three touchdowns on the season, four interceptions against San Francisco. So he struggled both of their matchups. But on the other side, it is extremely tough to beat a team three times in one season. So that is not in San Francisco's favor. San Francisco's been a tad banged up going into this game. But it does look like all of their stars will be playing in this one. Debo wasn't on the injury report. Bosa wasn't on the injury report. Um, And Trent Williams did not practice at all. But it sounds like both he and Kyle Shanahan are thinking he's going to be playing. Doesn't sound like they're too concerned about it. So San Fran should be at full strength, have everybody back in this one. Tell us what you're thinking here, Joe. Yeah, I mean, you 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 said, you know, it's tough for somebody to beat the same team three times in a season. Shanahan's beat McVay the last six times. <laughs> so I, I'm going to throw that out the window. Although before that, McVay had beat Shanahan the first three of the four. Shanahan's taken the last six. So, you know, I I'm going to throw that out the window at this point and i'm just gonna go i'm gonna just go based straight up off talent here and i think the rams are just i think the rams are just too damn talented for san fran to hang in this game i think it'll be i i shouldn't say to hang in this game i do think it'll be end up being a one score game but 
I think I think there's it's going to be really tough for San Fran to win this game. I mean, the the Rams are really rolling. We saw what Stafford did last week. I mean, he just absolutely lit it up. I mean, second half, yeah, was pretty rough, but you're facing Tom Brady. You just know that <laughs> it's never going to he's never going to go down easy. I see more of the Rams first half happening in this game than the second half or from, you know, you're going to see more of the first half of last week's game in this one than you saw of their second half last week. So I think this is a pretty, honestly, I think this is, this may be a pretty easy Rams win, especially if Cam Akers can hang onto the ball. If he (laughs) continues to fumble, if he has another two fumble game, then that's, that's going to be tough for the Rams to overcome or yeah, for the Rams to overcome the wild card here though, is the fact that the Rams secondary, including Jalen Ramsey, had given up. They gave up multiple big plays last week to Tampa. And if you got Debo and Brandon Ayuk running wild out there, anything's possible. I mean, you you got these, both those guys are playing on turf in that, in LA. If, they if if the Rams can't clean up that secondary play, that's when San Fran could come in and win this game. But if they're gonna if if San Fran's gonna play, you know, trying to get Eli Mitchell going and Debo going on the, through the ground, I don't see how they can keep up with the Rams. And I just think the Rams' ceiling is so much higher. So I I can see the Rams winning this game by it. It, it should be a one-score game, but I could also at the same time seeing the Rams win this game by 13-plus. By yeah. No, I, I could see that as well. San Francisco's got confidence. They went in in a lose-and-go-home-and-seasons-over game against the Rams Week 18 and came away with the victory in overtime. But that one was relatively – I mean, it was, it was low scoring, to be honest. I mean, it was 24-24 heading into – overtime which the Rams have put up quite a bit of points this year where I think that's where San Francisco's defense is going to have to step up their front four is going to have to get pressure on Stafford they're going to have to contain Cooper Cup which they have not done at any point in time this season Cooper Cup's had two solid games against San Francisco so they need to limit the big plays there and it's just I don't know they need to keep it low scoring. You cannot win in a shootout against the Rams. I don't like San Francisco in this if it ends up being a shootout. But if they can keep it to a low score game and low score as in in the 20s, in the upper teens, not a 13 to 10 win in the cold and <laughs> yeah, that's, field, that's not happening no, in this. That's not, if you're looking no for a low scoring game, 0% chance of this one, 0% chance of this in, in either Kansas of City. them. Yeah. No, this is going to be all high-scoring offenses. I would my only issue, my only thing here the too. I mean, look at that Trent Williams injury. I know that you know it sounds like he's going to play, but he's clearly not at a hundred percent. Yeah, and you got huge. Aaron Donald the up the middle. You got Vaughn Miller on one side. You got Leonard Floyd on the other. Even though Trent Williams has been the best offensive lineman all season long. If he's not 100%, you got three. I mean, that offensive line now is dealing with three really high-end pass rushers. Yeah, and G- Donald is Donald is going to have to be double teamed and they'll pro- so that they probably throw, you know, they're going to throw their guard and center on him. You know, and and then that, you know, if if Donald is lined up on the his right side, the Niners left side, that's going to take away the left guard help from Trent Williams. So Trent Williams is going to then have to deal with either Von Miller, or Leonard Floyd solo, plus another plus an outside guy. I, it's just with it with you know with him being hampered. I don't know. I I think that that pass rush is going to be in really intimidating, and Jimmy G versus that kind of a pass rush, that's going to be tough. It's going to be really it was tough. Tough for him last week against the Packers. Right, Rams have a lot better front than the Packers right. do. So. Yeah, it'll, like I said, San Francisco, they're going to have to play a clean game in order to win this one. I I would take the Rams with the three and a half points. And then, do you have the over-under offhand on this, Joe? I forgot to write it down. Yeah, it's at 46. 
46. Okay. I so would, I, I'd probably go over. I like the over. Yeah, that's I, I feel like 46 is a pretty, pretty strong line. I think that the Rams are going to come out to a pretty sweet lead, run the ball. I could see them winning like 24-17, and that would, you know, that would just get under that number. But I could also see at the same time, I could see Rams just absolutely running running it up. I just don't see San Fran scoring that many points. I mean, they haven't, they haven't, they, like you said, they can't win in a shootout here. So not that 46 necessarily constitutes a shootout, but I can't see them winning in a shootout. So I'm going to take the under on the 46 and, but I'll take the Rams at minus three and a half. All right. Sounds good. So out of those four, we are aligned on three out of the four, and then we'll have to keep an eye on that over under in the last game. So that's what but, it's going to come down to, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I was, I, I like, is, is there a matchup that you particularly want in the Super Bowl between these two games? <sighs> if Kansas City wins, I want the Rams because I think their offense could keep up. I think that would be an epic Super Bowl for as far as points scored. Points for days. And it would be pretty nuts to have the home team playing in their home stadium for the Super Bowl two right. years in a row after Tampa Bay did that last year. And this is the first time that Tampa a team was the first time that it had that they is hosting and this is the first time that a team is hosting a championship game and potentially the super bowl in the same (laughs) stadium too (laughs) with it being in SoFi this year in los angeles but it i don't know cincinnati san francisco would be a fun one too kind of underdogs teams that weren't expected i guess to get into the playoffs this year go as far as they have to get there but that's probably who I'm rooting for in this one, Cincinnati, San Francisco. But if it's Kansas City, Los Angeles, I don't think I'm going to be that disappointed. That should be a fun matchup. No, I, 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 the, I, I, the matchup that I don't want is Kansas City, San Fran, just I don't as a rematch from a couple, couple of years yeah. ago. That was kind of that was honestly that was a pretty boring Super Bowl. Yeah. And I think it'll be the same result if those two teams match yeah, up again. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> So I, I I would love to see Cincinnati LA or KC LA. I just per, per, I'd prefer Cincinnati LA uh, over KC LA, but yeah, I mean I'll be rooting. I'll definitely be rooting Cincinnati and San Fran as well. But I think Cincinnati LA would be a really really fun, really fun Super Bowl. Oh yeah, absolutely. Gets gets get Cincinnati possibly as their first Super Bowl win, and then having the story of uh, Matt Stafford be pretty sweet. Yeah, no, I'm excited to uh, get back here next week and recap these games and give our thoughts and maybe early projections, things we're looking forward to for the Super Bowl. Yeah, and- we're going to have a two-week, uh, we're going to have a little, little you know, that one-week hiatus in between uh, these this weekend of games and then, you know, we got the Super Bowl two weeks after that, so. Yeah, so if anybody has any ideas, I mean, we will have obviously content pouring out here. Hopefully there's some more. We'll have uh, coaching news for sure to talk about and things to break down there. But if you have anything, like I said, questions that you want, any topics or segments that you have an idea for and want to write in, send it to us. We'll take a look at it and see if we can incorporate it into the show. Mailbag, Mailbag questions. Yeah. A lot of fun on the last one. So that was. I had an absolute blast recording Thursday's episode. But again, we can be found at Dead Arm Sports, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Check us out, Dead Arm Sports. First thing that pops up. Subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Send us a screenshot of that review. Get you some sticker swag sent out in the mail. Again, we can be found at gel at DOS Gel. I can be found at DOS JPEG. Write us in any questions, comments, concerns that you have about the show. Again, we won't necessarily do a full mailbag episode unless we get a ton of questions like we did this last week. But otherwise, just send in questions here and there, and we'll answer them on the show. Still at that 100% hit rate gel after the mailbag episode. So keeping it going, (laughs) write in those questions. Stay hot, kid. Yes. (laughs) Where can they listen to us at, Joe? Make sure to listen to us on our presenting sponsor, Anchor. Uh, Just a lot of free tools out there for any podcasters. Uh, We get to do all of our editing, all of our publishing, everything out there. And as far as listening goes, really, really strong tool as well. Uh, Some some cool features you can do. 
you know, as far as as far as listening goes as well. The other positive to having Anchor being our presenting sponsor and our publishing tool is that we're able to send this out to you for free, for free. on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Google Pods. Make sure to take a uh, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Take a screenshot of that written review on your chosen listening platform. Send it to us at Dead Arm Sports on our Twitter or Instagram, and we will swag you out with some Dead Arm sticker action. You know, bumper sticker, put it on your water bottle, all sorts of goodness. So, a lot of things you can do with a lot of stickers. Yes, there is. Maybe create a cool sticker book. I don't know. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> the ideas are endless. <laughs> All right, so that get will a do tattoo it. of you know Ooh. have that as a you know have that as the uh, you know the base model of your tattoo. That's an option too. Option as well. All right, that will do it. Appreciate everybody out there listening. We'll be back early next week to recap the weekend's games, bring up any other news that pops up over the weekend, and hopefully uh, Max Homa victory or at least victory over uh willie z so damn recap that for you too and uh close us out gotta shake loose alaskan moose